What's up, everybody? Hope you're doing great and having a wonderful weekend. If you are new here, my name is Aaron Olinsky. I'm the lead pastor here at Grace, and, and we're so glad that you're here. We appreciate your willingness to come and check out a church that meets in a movie theater, and you came on a great Sunday. We are wrapping up a series on money, and right now you're thinking, man, I wish I could have been here for the first two, or maybe you're glad that we're finishing it up. I don't know where you're at, but right now when, when, when I gave the, the, the explanation that we're talking about money, you had some type of response in you and like in your mind and your emotions, like you were thinking something. And so for us here at Grace Church, we are very aware that money is a big part of our lives. Like every single one of us, we're making decisions all the time, uh, every single day regarding our finances and resources. And, and if you were not here over the first two weeks uh, that we t talked on and we preached on just finances, I would encourage you to go and listen to the podcasts because uh, they were just significant. They were very powerful, just practical and spiritual things that we need to grab a hold of because hopefully they're helpful. Like that's our reason for doing this. That's our heart behind all of this is to help. Like we want to encourage because for so many people, money is a major issue and a major problem. So we want to address those because there were things that we learned about money when we were younger. There's things that we learned back in elementary school, like in, in first grade math. When you and I took first grade math, if we had, if we had 1,000, like if we had $1,000 and we took away 100 of those thousand, right? We, we learned, we were like, hey, now I only have 900, right? We learned that in first grade and we understand that and we get that concept. And so we go, all right, well, mathematically, that's less, right? 1,000 minus 100 is 900. So that's less. That's in our brain, right? We get that in our head and that's what works out on our calculator. But when you begin to talk about that spiritually, that's just not the case for those of us that love Jesus, because giving is the core of Christianity. There's a verse in Romans chapter five, verse eight, it says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. That, that's like, that's before we ever did anything good. That's before anything that we could do to acknowledge, like he gave his life for us. And so we, as a response to that, we give ourselves, we give all of us, we surrender everything to the Lord, including our resources. And so when you think about generosity in our life, generosity changes us. Like it changes our perspective, it changes our life, it changes how we think things and how we view things. Because if you've given something before, you probably have felt good about it, right? Anytime you give a birthday present or an anniversary present or a Christmas present, like it, it makes us feel good, it gives us joy, it gives us fulfillment. And so, and that's, that's even true regarding our money. When we give financially, like it just, it, it fills us up with, with the Lord, it's amazing. Because if I were to give you just a simple visual aid, like if I were to, to hold up my fist at you. Like, let's say, you know, you're across the boardroom table and I held up my fist, you know, in a business meeting to you, like that would speak, right? I would have this scowl on my face and that would communicate something, right? Or maybe we're in the grocery store or in a parking lot or like, oh my gosh, like I, me just holding up. But if I had my hand out, like if I held my hand open, that speaks and communicates as well. And so let's imagine, or let's not imagine, now let's put money in our hands, right? I'm going to put this money in, a hand, in my hand. So now if I clench my fist and I've got cash, I have $1,000 in my hand and I clench it, that communicates, doesn't it? That, that communicates that I'm holding on to this. You can try and take it away, but I'm not going to let you. I'm going to fight you with all that I've got because I'm going to hold onto this cash. 
But if I open up my hand and I have it opened and I have that money there, that communicates as well, doesn't it? Now, when we have our fist clenched, none will leave, right? No money, not a single dollar will be able to follow, fly away. But also when we're clenched, no money has space to enter. But when we stand here with our hand opened with the money, some may go away, right? We may, but some may, may disappear, some may be given away. But the thing that's amazing is more can also enter into a hand that's open. And I would say very clearly, what would you have? What type of like, physical like, posture would you have with your fist? Are you the type of person that clinches or are you the type of person that has your hand open? Because I think there's a direct correlation between our hand and our spirit and how we handle finances and are we generous or not. So one of the things that has been communicated over the years in churches and on TV is this idea of prosperity theology. Uh, and just so you know, if you're familiar with that, that's not the type of church that we are. Uh, we don't preach that. We don't teach that. Like pastors and televangelists for a long time have said, like, if, if, you, if you give, then you'll get. If you give, then you're going to get. And there's a lot of sermons about that. And, and what they do is they base this on a, a particular scripture that Jesus shares. So Jesus is pe- preaching on money in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. And it says, give and you will receive. Your gift will be returned to you in full, pressed down, shaken together, making room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount that you get back. And so what, what's happened is, unfortunately, people have taken that and they twist that verse around. They twist it and they, they give it a meaning completely about money and focused on, like, if you're giving, then more is going to come back to you. And, and, but that, that, I feel that that's spiritually manipulative for somebody to take that verse and put that type of spin on it. And, and it's just not true. Now, so when we give, do we get back? Absolutely, because that's what the verse says. We will receive. But when, when people would preach about it, they would say, you're going to get money back. It's going to come back in the form of cash. That's not the only type of blessing that this verse is talking about. There are a number of types of blessings that we receive as a result of our generosity, like the joy and the fulfillment. When we, when we bless somebody, when we give to, to somebody in need, I mean, come on, it feels good, right? It feels good to do that. And that's something that the Lord refreshes us with. Like when we have a generous spirit, what that feels like and looks like. And, and there can be times when the Lord blesses us with finances. Absolutely, no doubt. But there also can be times when he causes the things that we have to have longevity. Like our car runs longer without needing repairs. Our roof lasts longer than than maybe it should. Our air conditioner, you know, so there's absolutely other types of blessings that come into our life. And sometimes they're financial, but not always, right? So I want to communicate that very clearly about scripture and what we believe and how we translate that and understand what Jesus is teaching. But now, in saying that, I do believe that there's a reward system. Like, I'm just saying I like rewards. I, I'm all about that. If I do something good, like, I want a doggy tree. Like, that's just, you know, and so I do believe in a reward system. So, and that, that comes from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. It says, it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Right? So we're talking about seeking, about pursuing after the Lord, being desperate for him, longing for him with all that we are. 
because God's economy is different than ours. It absolutely is so much different than ours. And so when we love him, right, we've got to love the Lord. We've got to love other people and we serve others. We walk in righteousness. That's just, that's how we seek after them. That's how we live about our life. And on top of that, we manage his money well, right? That's part of what this is and sincerely seeking after him is managing what's his well. So I have this $1,000, right? And you're glad that I pulled it out again because you're like, man, check it out, that's good. So it's hard to get a grand, isn't it? I mean, come on, let's be honest. You know, you're like, man, that's great, a thousand bucks. And, and the reason I, I, I pulled this out because over the, the previous couple of weeks in my messages, I've talked about that if you have not saved yet, your first goal in savings should be a thousand dollars. You know, it's just an obscure number, but I mean, hey, we, we have to start somewhere, but it's hard, right? It's hard to get a grand. If you're struggling, if you're trying to figure things out, like it's a big deal. So, so walk with me through this visual aid for just a moment. Let's say you and I have our thousand dollars. Like what's up? Like we saved, we work hard. We, we, you know, we did some pressure washing, we mowed some lawns and, and all of a sudden we, we end up with a thousand dollars. And then what do we do? We take it to the bank, right? So we're going to deposit the money into the bank, and so there it is. We put it in the bank, and that's awesome. Like, we're so proud. We're so excited. We put it into the bank. And then let's say, unfortunately, something happens. We need to re- repair our car or, or buy something or replace something, you know, something that breaks. And we're like, hey, I, ne- I need a new one of those. And, and so then you, know, you go to the bank, and you say, hey, I need my money back. Now, let's say just for a moment that you go to the bank you ask for your money, and the banker goes, oh, I'm so sorry, but all of a sudden, you're going, whoa, whoa, time out. Like, what do you, what do you mean, but? Like, I gave you $1,000. It's in the bank. What do you mean, but? And the banker kind of says, well, you know, you, you gave that money, and, and like, I needed some stuff, too. Like, I needed to buy a new car. I, I, needed, I, I needed a new China cabinet. I needed to go on a cruise. And so the banker then spends all of your money. Right, it's your money. You gave it to them, you're, and it's supposed to be there, and they spend it. You know, I don't know what you do, but I'd be pretty upset, right, at that moment. At that moment, and so we would go, "How, how dare you spend my money? You stole my money. That's not yours. It wasn't yours to spend and go out and do all. Like you stole my money." And so, how would you feel, right? Put yourself in that place. If you had the money and you deposited it in the bank, and then the banker spent it and misused it, how would you? feel. And so let me put the God spin on this. Let's say maybe a couple months ago, you heard about Grace Church going on the Guatemala medical and dental mission trip. And God says, hey, I want, to, I want you to give to that. You were in the service or you heard what we were doing and you, were, you, know, you go, man. I just, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit kind of communicates to you and you're like, I want you to give to that. But your response back to the Holy Spirit was, I can't because I bought and you fill in the blank. And God goes, what do you mean you can't? What do you mean you don't have the money that I gave to you? Didn't you, did you ask me about what you were going to buy? Don't you realize that the money that you have is actually mine? I mean, think about it. Whose money is this? Right? I, I, Whose money is it that I have? Whose money is it that you have? 
And here's one of the major principles that we have to get and have to understand. It's not our money, okay? It's not our money. In fact, I want you to say that with me together. Ready? One, two, three. It's not our money. You guys didn't want to say that. Let's do it again. Ready? It's not our money. And here's why. This is Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 15. And this is a principle that you and all, you all, all of us get. It says, we all come to the end of our lives as naked and empty-handed as on the day that we were born. We can't take our riches with us. Now, hopefully at your funeral, they actually put some clothes on you and you're not laying in the casket naked. Like, thank you for your little chuckle. Like, I appreciate that. I'm, I'm, like, I'm trying to make this a little bit tolerable. Some of you, are, you're, you're like, you're bound up and I get it. And it's hard. It's hard. But, but we know, like the whole analogy, naked you come into the earth, uh, into the world, naked you leave. And you don't leave with a single thing. None of the possessions that you have are yours. Okay. None of the possessions or the money that you have is yours because you don't take it with you. How many times have we heard that? Have we said that? So God owns it all, all of it. The cash in your pocket, the resources, the finances, the assets that you have, God owns it all. And so we are entrusted with God's wealth. Like he gives us the money. He makes us a manager. He makes us a steward an asset manager, if you will. And, and this is not new. Like this is, this is a concept that has been in our understanding and, and for all humanity for all time. Uh, because it, it's kind of like, like let, let's say, you know, in, in medieval times, right? There's a king, there's a monarchy and there's a king and the king owns a particular area of land or the country. There's a, a landowner. What he would do is he would allow certain tenant farmers to be on that land, right? To work the land, you know, you have to have somebody doing the farming and stuff, right? There has to be somebody there. The king can't do it all, you know, for himself. There had to be tenant farmers. And so then when the time came for the harvest, grapes or, you know, olives or wheat, corn, whatever it was that they were growing, when it came time for the harvest, who did the harvest belong to? It all belonged to the king, right? Because that tenant farmer would not have any opportunity to do that if it wasn't for the king's land. And so then the workers were paid a portion from the crop, right? Or if they took it to market and they sold it, the workers were then paid from the profits. And so that's normal practice even now, even if it's cattle, right? The cattle are living on somebody's land and the landowner sets up a compensation package. That's just reality. That's how it works. So I hope that we can all see that God is the king. God is the landowner. He's the one that owns everything. And he's the one that gives us all that we have from the harvest that comes in. And so I hope that you won't allow your ego or pride to cause you to think that it's all yours and that you're the one that made it happen. Because God is the owner of everything and he's the giver of every good gift that we have in our life. And so the system of compensation that God set up is a tithe, right? He set up a tithe where you and I, we're given 100% of what he gives to us. And then he doesn't, doesn't ask for all of it back. He only asks for 10% back. He's like, hey, give me back 10% of what all is mine. 
So really, if you think about it, that's pretty generous. He lets us keep 90%. And so 10% of, of is given back to him, given to the local church. And there's a ton of verses in scripture about generosity and giving and, and giving back to God. And the thing that's interesting is there are also a lot of verses that talk about the opposite. Let me give you one where Jesus is talking about wealth with someone. And here's what he says in Luke 12, verse 15. Then he said, beware. Guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. And so when we get this, when we understand this, the reality of giving back to God, it's for us. We have to understand this. It's for us because generosity combats greed. Generosity will push greed out. I mean, God, God does not need your money. Okay, he doesn't need our money. I mean, it, it's even funny to think that God would need our money, right? That's just, just not the case. And, and regarding our church, like Grace Church specifically, Grace Church does not need your money. Uh, just, just to be real open and honest, I mean, we, we have an incredible board, an incredible lead team w- that sets up a budget and we make great financial decisions. We don't spend what we don't have. And, and so we function like that as a church. But if we're gonna continue to fund the vision of the church, of this church and what God is doing, I mean, it will take people with a giving heart. It will take that to accomplish it all. Let me put a little bit of a different spin on it. How many of you have had a family member pass away? A family member or maybe a a loved one, a close friend, a sibling? And I don't need you to raise your hand because the answer is all of us. Right? Every single one of us, we've had somebody that in our family or a loved one pass away. And so if there were things in your relationship with them that were left unsaid, right? maybe something where you go, oh man, I, I, I didn't get to see them before they passed, or I wish I could have seen them. Like, I can't tell you how many people that I encounter where they go, gosh, I would give just about anything to be able to tell them that I love them one more time. I would give anything if I could hug them just one last time to tell them I'm sorry for what I did and like I didn't mean it and, and that's unfortunate, you know, with how things transpire. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I hear that. And God feels the same way when he looks at us. He would give anything. He would give anything and everything. And the thing that's amazing that oftentimes we take for granted is the fact that he was willing to give Jesus. He was willing to give his son. I'll give you even to the point of my own son. And so giving is part of God's nature and we're made in God's image. And so the only point that I have for you in this whole entire message is that giving makes us more like Christ because God's gift for us to redeem us, to restore us, was his son. He's like, I'm gonna give you my son. And then Jesus, Jesus' gift for us to redeem us, to restore us, was his life. And so generosity, giving, it's the core of Christianity. It's hard to be a Christian and not give. Like, it's hard. It should be, there's just, it should be this pull inside of us that, that causes us to want to give because giving is that reminder of our ownership, that we're not the owner We're not the king. We're not the landowner. We're the manager. And God absolutely loves people who give cheerfully and give generously. That's just the reality of who he is and how he functions. And 
And there's another piece to all this. You know, when you think about our giving in our heart and, and how it makes us feel and, and even the spiritual side of giving and what it does, I absolutely believe that giving is like spiritual warfare. Uh, oftentimes people will say, you know, I, I, I got to fight. You know, I have to fight and battle and, and face things. And so let me share with you a, a, a revelatory uh, verse in scripture in Malachi chapter three, verse 11. It says that your crops will be abundant for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Now imagine if you're the tenant farmer, right? Look at this verse. You're the tenant farmer. You're overseeing uh, some vines, a vineyard where there's lots of grapes. There's only a few things that could happen that could go wrong, right? Insects, the, the grape falling off before it's actually ripe. Right? And so God is saying, I will guard that from happening. And so if we were to take this and understand the spiritual perspective, the enemy is looking to come in to, to seek and devour. In fact, in, in another version of scripture, it talks about that God will rebuke the devourer. The enemy wants to come in and steal and, and cause things to decay before it's time. And God is saying, I will prevent that from happening. And so why is it that we ask God to help us in every single area of our life, but we withhold from giving back to him. Why is it when we go, God, would you bless my kids? God, would you, would you heal me? God, would you bless my business? And would you help us in this decision as we create this merger and this partnership, Lord, in this investment, would you, would, God, would you help me? But my money, God, like my money's my money. And I want you to help me with, long, with health, and, and, but the, the money, like, that's in my pocket. And so I get to make the decisions on that. And so when we withhold from God what is actually his, this verse can't come into fulfillment with us. We're literally handcuffing God from blessing us. He wants to bless us desperately. But when we're not falling in accordance with his scripture and his word, it handcuffs him. And so if you're here or you're listening to this podcast, if you are looking for spiritual or financial breakthrough in your life, are you tithing? Like that, that's, that's the economy. That's how God sets it up. If you're looking for financial breakthrough, are you giving back to God what he says is his? Because if you're not, then you want the blessings without the obedience. And it doesn't work like that. Now, I realize some, for some of you, this is really hard, and I get that. I totally understand. So if you're like having a battle with this, I understand. I'm happy to talk through it with you, happy to encourage you, and, but man, I hope that you feel God's presence. I hope that you feel the Holy Spirit speaking and communicating. Now, something I also want to tell you, because I love you, and like, I'm your pastor, you will not lose your salvation if you don't tithe, okay? I just want to say that out loud. Like, God is not mad at you. People, so many people think that God is mad at them all the time because of the things that they've done. Like, do we need forgiveness? Absolutely. But God is not mad at you because you don't tithe, but he is absolutely waiting for you to show and prove yourself that you can manage his wealth well, that you can be a good steward, a good manager, because you don't promote people that are bad managers. And so he's looking for someone that is a good manager. Let me give you a visual aid. So let's say for a moment that this glass is 
all the impurities that we have in our life, right? All the sin, all the greed, the, the jealousy, the envy, uh, the selfishness, it's all like, and, and it's dirty and it's nasty and we feel it, right? We feel it and we know it. What happens is when we give back to God, the Holy Spirit comes and then he pours out his spirit, right? And so the thing that's incredible, what happens is he pours out so powerfully in an amazing way that after a period of time, all the impurities are gone. So the things that you and I are holding on to from withholding from God and the things that we think are so important, but it's really greed. When we allow the Holy Spirit to transform us, those all get flushed out in this whole process and we get transformed in who we are. So let me give you some statistics that um, may be or may not be surprising to you. This is the national average for Christians. Okay, in America, Christians on average give 2.5% of their income to God on average. Okay, uh, not 10%, but 2.5. When Christians make $75,000 or more, it actually drops down to 1%. So the more we make, the less we actually give. In churches in America, depending on area, type of church, uh, there is about 10 to 25% of the congregation that actually tithe. Here in Grace Church, based on average household income in our area, based on number of giving units uh, and, and total people in our church, our church is somewhere between 18 and 20%. Of, num- of percentage of people in this church that tithe. I'm not saying that to make you feel bad. I'm not saying that because there's judgment. There's no judgment. I don't know how much you make. We, we're not checking W-2s when you come in, but when you talk about what we're called to do as a church, what we're called to do as people, and what we're called to do as Christ followers, we are to infiltrate darkness, right? That's what we do. We bring the light of Christ. We bring the saltiness of Christ, and we infiltrate the darkness, and it eradicates because of the light. In our community, in your school, in your business, every single aspect of our life, we are to shine that light, Social media, right? We can do amazing things with the platforms that, that the Lord has given us. So what if we thought about money the same way? What if we thought about our giving the same way? Because what if all the believers in Grace Church decided that they would do this? What, what if all of us got our financial house in order? Right? We listen to week one and week two, and we go, yep, that's me, I need to do it, and you actually started doing it. What if we all began to understand that the $1,000 is not actually ours, that it's God's, and we're managers over it? What if we started giving with a generous heart? I dream about that. We could feed the hungry we could fund orphanages, we could shelter the homeless, we could provide for missionaries, we could help single moms, we could help widows and widowers, we could help specific educational programs for kids that are in need, that need the extra tutoring and relationship, we could help supply all that, we, we could plant churches, we could build our building. Like there's lots of things that you and I could do. We could meet physical needs and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ and infiltrate 
with the light. That's, that's our job, right? That's our responsibility. And so we're called to change culture. And so when we give, we don't have less. I mean, generous people are given so much more. I mean, think about the generous people that you know in your life. Maybe you're one of them. You probably have been given special opportunities. You probably have gotten promotions. Even the heart of being generous has filled you up. You're like, I don't even need all that other stuff. Like God has filled me up so much because generous people are fun to be around, aren't they? Like they are, like they're fun to be around. You're just like, man, they're amazing. People wanna be around others that are generous. Talented employees don't want to be around a tight-fisted owner. They don't. Like, they're talented, and they're good. They know they can find a job somewhere else. And if you're tight-fisted, they know it. They're not going to want to stay there for long. But when we're generous and we're giving and we live with an open hand, and like, it's delightful. I mean, have you ever been around a person that's wealthy that is just willing to help others? Like, it's so refreshing. It's so uplifting. It's a generous spirit. It's a true biblical understanding about wealth. And so maybe as a result of this message, maybe you've been stirred or encouraged or challenged. I'm good with all that. But I know for a fact that Jesus wants to transform your heart. Because so often we, we tie it to money and numbers and accounts and possessions. Like, that's not what he's after. He is after you. He's after your heart and who you are. And so maybe, just maybe, there needs to be some changes that happen in your life and, and the way you hold things, the way you manage. But then there also may be some of you, when, when I talk about surrendering everything to the Lord or over to Christ, you know that you haven't done that. Maybe you're just, you think about your life and who you are. You're you're reluctant, like you've held back and you want that to change. I absolutely believe that that can change this morning. I mean, it is very clear uh, to me that Jesus came and he did love us so much that he laid his life down. But he is amazing and powerful and strong and rose again from the dead after three days being in the grave and showed his victory over sin and death. And what happens for you and I is now we get forgiveness for our sins, which is wonderful, and we get salvation, where that's eternity in heaven. But it is very clear that we only get that when we put our faith and hope and trust and lives in Christ's hands. And so there might be some of you that need to do that this morning. And in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, and we're going to pray together to do that. But before we get to that point, if everybody here in the auditorium, if you'd be willing to bow your head and close your eyes, because I I am going to ask you to raise your hand, but I don't want anybody looking around. I don't want you to be concerned about what other people think, or are they looking at you? Like, that's not what this is about. This isn't about them. This is about you, your relationship with God. So if I were to ask you, are you 100% surrendered to Jesus, like 100% committed to him and following after him. If, if the answer is no, then I would ask that you go ahead and put your hand up and we'll pray and you can ask Christ to come and be Lord of your life. Go ahead and put your hand up right now. Anybody in the auditorium, you know that you need to make a commitment to follow Jesus. Yeah, thank you so much. Go ahead and put it up. Don't be ashamed. You know you need it. It's out of desperation. It's out of want and desire. Yep, thank you so much.
It's a big deal. This isn't about worrying about if other people see your hand in the air. This is about God seeing you and I in our heart, and we know we need him. Thank you so much. You can go ahead and put your hands down. I'm going to pray, and I would just ask that you pray along with me. Maybe you repeat my prayers, or you make this type of prayer your own. Maybe you say something like, God, I know I need you. God, I feel like I've been far from you. I know I've done things wrong, and I'm ashamed of them. God, I have some guilt that I'm carrying along, and I don't like it. I want that to change. Jesus, I recognize that you are God's son, and I want you in my life. I surrender all that I am to you, everything over to you. Would you please forgive me of all those things that I've done? I'm so sorry, but would you make me right? Would you make me new again? Jesus, would you come into my life and change me? that I might live for you and follow after you. And Father, I also want to pray just a, a blessing, Lord, a blessing over every single person. Uh, God, we want to be generous. We love to be generous. Lord, I know some of us, we feel like we're hindered for whatever reason. We feel like we're held back. But God, I pray that you would break those chains, that you would stir us towards obedience, that you would stir us towards generosity, that we wouldn't be content with where we're at, but that we would know that we need to change, that we need to be restored and renewed. Lord, I pray a spirit of generosity on this house. Lord, I pray that you would remove the mindset of lack, that you would remove the spirit of poverty from our lives, that you would bring generosity, Lord, that we would recognize your ownership. You truly own everything. Thank you so much. We have so much. And it's our honor to bless you back. God, that you would be glorified, that the kingdom would advance in this community and in our lives. In Jesus' name.